0: You're listening to Language Nerds to Earth, a podcast about linguistics, culture, travel, and how they're all connected. And now it's time to meet your language nerd hosts. One in China, one in Spain, it's Patrice and
1: Rachel. Hello out there. I'm Patrice. And I'm Rachel.
0: And welcome to Language Nerds to Earth.
1: We are on episode number 45, and this week we're going to be talking about traveling in Germany.
0: What? You guys have never actually specifically targeted a place when it comes to your travel episodes. What are you
1: doing? Yeah, we thought it'd be kind of fun to maybe start like a series that we look at places in more depth.
0: Yeah, just kind of like with our language episodes, too. Sometimes we feature a language. So, um, this time we thought we would feature a place. Yeah. Rachel and I have both spent time in Germany, so we have some insider information. First, we're going to talk a little bit about the history, and then some popular and not so popular tourist destinations. Rachel has some information about getting around Germany, and then we're going to talk about food to try.
1: Yes. And then I have
0: a lost in translation moment from learning Chinese.
1: <laughs> First, before we get started, we have some language news, and this one is awesome. I love it. Yeah,
0: I really like it too. It was all over the internets in the last week, so I thought, it's language related, we should definitely be talking about it.
1: Yeah, this is really something that I thought... Shows kind of the power of language and its ability to influence the way that we think and the way that we perceive things.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So, this is an article from The Guardian uh, where they talk about how they have updated the way that they refer to climate change and global warming Mm -hmm. to be more accurate and to be more urgent. So They are changing it to climate emergency, crisis or breakdown, and global heating instead of global warming. Mm -hmm. They're also
0: using the terms wildlife instead of biodiversity and fish populations instead of fish stocks. But the most important one I think that they're using is climate science deniers rather than climate skeptics.
1: That's super powerful.
0: Because it's true, like when it comes to wildlife and fish populations, you think of Actual life. Yeah. Biodiversity is just a term, and it could refer to anything in the environment. Trees, yes, trees are important, but you don't you don't relate to them as much as you do to animals and wildlife, animal populations. So true. And same with fish populations. But climate science denier is somebody who is saying that the facts are not right, and that kind of person... Is incorrect.
1: Exactly. Instead of giving power to people by calling them skeptics, that gives them uh, some kind of legitimacy that they have something to be skeptical about.
0: Exactly. But
1: instead, calling them deniers of science, that sounds a lot stronger. I agree. So the
0: UN Secretary General was uh, talking about this, and he mentioned, you know... We are facing a direct existential threat, so we really do need to start talking about the climate crisis, or emergency, as the way that it actually is, instead of softening it. Global warming sounds a little bit pleasant.
1: Yeah, and climate change sounds, you know, it's changing, but that doesn't mean anything necessarily. Change is a
0: part of life.
1: Yeah. And as well, Greta Thunberg from Sweden, she has been responsible for a lot of school strikes and really leading the youth population in the past months, especially. But she said in May that she wanted people to start calling it like it is a catastrophe or a breakdown or emergency instead of... uh, Climate change. Exactly. To use these more accurate terms, because that really, if you're calling it climate change and thinking of it as, oh, well, the climate's changing, that doesn't have the same impact and inspire the same movement or action as climate emergency or ecological breakdown, something like that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, very important language news, and I encourage everybody listening to do the same when you're referring to global warming. Don't call it global warming, call it global heating, and not climate change, climate crisis, climate emergency.
1: Yeah, and I think this is so relevant to a lot of different parts of the news as well, not just climate change, but also anything that we can refer to, we can refer to it in a more accurate way Mm -hmm. that really makes people think that there needs to be something done so we need to think really carefully i think about the way that we use language especially in reporting and Mm -hmm. things like that yeah so i think that's something we can pay attention to as we're consuming news are they using terms that are accurate and if not what terms could be better suited yes good takeaway
0: yeah. Cool. Well, we have a lot to talk about today as far as Germany goes. So yes! So let's dive right in. I'll start. Let's talk a little bit about the history about Germany. I, don't, I want to try to keep it short because, like I said, we have a lot to cover, but when it comes to Germany, history plays a huge role. I mean, history plays a big role in a lot of places, but... Germany's history, especially in the last few hundred years, has been very formative for the country.
1: Especially the last century,
0: really. Exactly. The last century, definitely. But even the last two or three hundred years have been big changes for the country. I mean, just about 250, 300 years ago, it was a bunch of different kingdoms. Mm-hmm. And before that, it was a bunch of Quote unquote barbarians before the Romans, right? So right. all of these kingdoms had their own languages. And when Germany was united in the 1850s to 1870s under one rule, that's when they all started adopting German as their official language. Mm-hmm. But the result is that there's a lot of variety in the language, and German has a funny connotation as a language itself. People say, you know, it has all these icks and Nicks, and actually that's just the Berlin accent, like, Ich bin ein Berliner, is what Kennedy said, but that's not the normal way people usually speak, it's a lot of Ich bin, Ich bin ein Berliner, which sounds kind of softer than the reputation lends it. But anyway, most recently was the Berlin Wall. You might have heard a little bit about the Berlin Wall, but if you haven't really paid much attention to Germany's recent history, then you might not know much about it, but it's played a huge role in the last hundred years.
1: So it was erected in 1961, basically overnight, and it was supposed to, quote-unquote, keep fascists out, but really it was because too many Easterners were going to the West because, honestly, it was a nicer place to live. And Mm -hmm. during this time, the people in East... Germany had a lot less freedoms, and it was part of the USSR. or It was the satellite, something like that. Mm-hmm. But...
0: Yeah, and there, that's how a lot of people came out of the USSR with a really, really poor view of communism, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one reason communism gets such a bad rep. But during the time that the Berlin Wall was up, in German they call it Die Mauer, which basically means freestanding wall. At least 171 people were killed trying to get over, or under, or around it. People did successfully escape, though. More than 5,000 East Germans, including over 600 border guards, did manage to cross the border by either jumping out of windows nearby, or climbing over the barbed wire, or flying in hot air balloons. Wow. Yeah, sometimes they crawled through the sewers when it was first erected, before they divided the sewers. And also driving through unfortified parts of the wall at really high speeds. It couldn't be like the Great Wall of China at the speed that they erected it, so it wasn't a solid wall. Mm -hmm. Um, But there were, like, areas with fencing and barbed wire and just, like, guard stations.
1: Yeah, and it wasn't just one wall, right? Like, it was one tall wall and then a kind of a no-man's land, a fence, and another shorter wall. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure about the order of that. I mean...
0: Probably, I am i don't remember either, but I think uh, it was probably the taller wall on the eastern side because they were trying to keep people in Yeah, on the eastern side. And the weird part about the Berlin Wall also was that it divided Berlin in half. But yeah. Berlin was in the middle of eastern Germany. So people in the western part of Berlin, they had to get there by a special means. And it's a very weird a uh, map of eastern and western germany if you especially when you bring berlin into it
1: yeah so it was basically impossible to escape if you had to cross these three barriers and run like the distance between them mm-hmm. and there were guard towers like i forget how frequently but you could see one from another so you could easily yeah. get shot exactly during the run so people tried People failed, mostly.
0: So in case you didn't know, the wall was erected about a decade after World War II. Russia, or USSR, took the eastern part of Germany, and the Allied forces took the western part of Germany. What about when it stopped?
1: Well, that was 1989, and it was basically like a giant party, people tearing down the walls. Um, there was music, and people were out all night, basically, and everybody was super happy. People flooded out of East Berlin into West Berlin mm-hmm. and mostly set up there. Now, the former East Berlin is pretty cool. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of the cool neighborhoods are there, and it's Pretty cheap to live there. Yeah. There are some really cool places, I mean.
0: Yeah, Berlin is a really, really interesting, fun, hip, international spot now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They've gone through a lot of shit though.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think the German kind of complex started with the First World War. We can even go back there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When they were defeated and then basically in poverty after that. Mm-hmm. They had to basically pay for the roles that
0: Germany played in the First World War.
1: Yeah, and so their money was really devalued and that's how, you know, everyone was in a pretty bad situation, so someone like Hitler could come in and make these promises and let's make Germany great again and <laughs> hmm, Anyway. <laughs> uh, and that's how someone like that could take power and with The genocide of a lot of peoples, uh, largely Jews, in the Second World War, the Holocaust. Since that, I think it has given Germans kind of a complex of, like, kind of trying to make up for what they did in the Second World War. Yes. Maybe unofficially, but there is also a pretty official stance of trying to make reparations for the mass genocide
0: yes well and as a result every german has to take a year-long course on the holocaust and the events leading up to it and basically if you know any germans you might notice that they're very outspoken and they will be quick to contradict you and i think that is actually in their schooling they learn how to debate and they spend a lot of time like focusing on how to make sure that the world is following the right morals (laughs)
1: Yeah, you know? yeah, and they've made a lot of really big strides forward in a lot of fields, and are actually progressive leaders in a lot of ways now. Mm-hmm, definitely,
0: but I lived in the former Eastern Germany when I was studying abroad in Dresden. In Dresden, so I wanted to kind of share my experience from my host parents who grew up in Dresden during the communist era. Mm-hmm. So some things they told me about living in eastern Germany. Everybody had the same kind of car, which was the Trabant. They would sign up for their child as soon as the child was born to get a car. So (laughs) like your baby's born, get in line. (laughs) But you know, it wasn't all bad. Like I remember talking to a woman who I had a language exchange with very briefly when I lived in the former east and she said, you know, there wasn't a lot of choice paralysis in Eastern Germany. Like you said, your career was determined for you, but a lot of people liked that because they didn't have to do any soul searching. They were like, okay, well, I'm going to be a merchant or I'm going to work in food provisions, or I'm going to work in cars, you know? So they just went that direction. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of nice. Like they didn't have to think about it. Same with little decisions. Like, In the grocery store, they didn't have 50 kinds of yogurt (laughs) that they had to choose between, you know. (laughs) I remember finding it interesting that my host father and host mother in Germany, they learned Russian. They hardly spoke any English, but their Russian was really good because that was the extra language that you learned. Yeah. And I remember watching them flip through tech magazines when I lived there. And they would just be, like, totally blown away by, like, the computers and specs that you can get. And I think that was kind of left over from not having any of that around them hmm. in their earlier lives. So Interesting. Yeah. And then, finally, I did want to mention that I had talked to somebody, lived in the former West, and after reunification, the Trabants, those East German cars would go on the Autobahn and there were a lot of wrecks because they were really slow
1: cars. They
0: couldn't keep up with the Western German cars.
1: Oh my God.
0: So reunification was not easy for either country. Like the West often, you kind of get the sentiment from Western Germans that, you know, like we really had to like lift them up, not necessarily out of poverty, but they were living in, a time capsule, not mm. much advanced during during those 30 years that they were behind the wall. Yeah. So they put a lot of money into the former East. And there's still tension, actually, between them. And they say it'll take another generation to really get rid of it, basically. So, mm. But there are a lot of movies written about the wall. Some of my favorites that I watched when I was studying German are um, The Lives of Others. They talk about... The spying. You get to watch the life of a spy who was like listening in on somebody and then actually grew an affection for the person that they were listening in on. Mm-hmm. People planted microphones everywhere. You never had any privacy. Mm. People were told to tattletale on each other and stuff. So, Goodbye Lennon was another really fun movie about a man whose mom went into a coma before. The wall came down in eastern Germany. And then she came out of the coma after the wall comes down. And her doctor told her her son, do not give her any shocks. And she loves eastern Germany. So it would be devastating to her to know that eastern Germany isn't a country anymore. And as a result, he had to like put up a facade that history hadn't happened <laughs> for the rest of her life. And then The Promise is another really great story about a couple who is trying to escape eastern Germany when the wall first goes up, and they get separated because the man gets caught by the Stasi, the eastern police, Mm -hmm. and then they live apart for 30 years, and then the wall comes down and they find each other, so... Spoiler alert! (laughs) But anyway, those are really great movies, and we'll put them up in our show notes.
1: Cool. So let's jump in, because we have a lot to cover. So some big cities, people flock to them. So I think one of the most is Berlin, which is really an awesome city. Mm -hmm. Though what I've heard from pretty much every German is Berlin is not really Germany. So don't feel like you're going to Berlin and you're getting like a typical German city And you can say, like, oh, yes, I know Germany because I've been to Berlin. Yeah. That's a good point. But it's an awesome city. And Mm -hmm. it's got a lot of history, as we've talked about. The food is amazing. It's super international. And you can hear just about every other person speaking English or some other language. And uh, you have endless food options. It's really great. Mm Mm-hmm. The Brandenburg Tour
0: is there. It's the Brandenburg Gate. The Reichstag, the German government building, is really famous. There's a obviously a Holocaust memorial there. You can go to the wall and and look at it and touch it. And that's really. There's a cool. lot of areas with street art.
1: Yeah, it was done in like the at least a decade ago or two decades ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. I think it wasn't mm-hmm. done immediately, but. It's very anti-war and very hopeful, inspiring Mm -hmm. art. So it's really cool to look at. And each thing between two pillars, or I guess the supports holding the wall, is a different artist and a different work of art. So it's really cool to see. Mm -hmm. And there are also still
0: checkpoints in Berlin that you can see Mm -hmm. from the time that Germany was divided in two. So it's a really interesting historical place because of
1: That history Mm -hmm. and the river is amazing it's like got a huge park that goes all the way alongside it through the city Mm -hmm. i went during the summer last year and it's really cool because at night they have like these bars that are in the just in the grassy areas and they have just lawn chairs that you can sit in or you can sit on the grass or it's really cool like it's a cool vibe Mm -hmm.
0: it's such a cool vibe city for sure
1: yeah and, oh, and I guess the nightlife there is amazing. Yes. I haven't been to any of the nightlife. It didn't really interest to me, but it's supposed to be one of the craziest cities for nightlife. Their clubs are open on the weekends, like, 24 hours. And Just... people do lots of drugs, and <laughs> it's a very kind yeah. of grungy scene as well. Like, you don't dress nice to get in. You dress in, like, your old... Nasty clothes, 80s. from what I understand.
0: <laughs> yeah, I believe it. My favorite German band, I have two favorite German bands, and one is from Berlin, and they're called Seed, S E E E D. Mm-hmm. They're a German reggae group. They're like Dreadlock. They actually, they're old. They haven't made any new music for like 10 years, but <laughs> they're really, really cool. <laughs> for people who want to learn German, find Seed. Another place that you've definitely heard of is Munich. Munich is the opposite of Berlin.
1: Yeah, in most ways.
0: (laughs) Yes. It's conservative, traditional, and very proud of its roots. Yeah. Probably very white. (laughs) Yeah. And it's the capital of Bavaria. So Bavaria is... You'd think of Lederhosen and Bratwurst and the traditional dress of girls' dirndls, and that's all from Bavaria.
1: Yeah, and pretty much any German stereotype you have, you know, beer, I mean, obviously they have beer in other parts of Germany, but the big brands are from Bavaria. The Mm -hmm. typical dress, Oktoberfest, is in Munich, and like the typical German bands, it's all from Bavaria. That's the German Oh yeah,
0: the polka, the German polka. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> yeah. So like any stereotype you have that's probably from Bavaria.
0: Yeah. I mean that's not all you're gonna get in Munich. There are a lot of huge museums and art galleries and obviously churches it's also really close to Bamberg, which is a super gorgeous little town.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: One thing that's really famous from Bamberg actually is something called Rauchbier, yes, smoked beer. Amazing. Did you try it? Yeah, it's so weird, right? It's like a barbecue but in a beer. Yeah. You know what? I found some in China a little while ago. Really? Yes. I was like, I wonder if they have Rauchbier at this like beer store, and I found it.
1: I couldn't believe it. That's so cool. Yeah, it's like a traditional way of making beer that dates back at least like, I think until the 18th century. I believe it. Like, they haven't changed the way that they make beer in Bamberg since then. So that's the traditional way of making beer. It's really quite cool. Is it just
0: one brewery that does that? No, they have a few. Oh, okay. Cool.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So next we have Frankfurt. Mm -hmm. Frankfurt is also totally opposite. Yeah. (laughs) Like, if there's a third opposite, it's... Frankfurt from Berlin and
1: Munich. Yeah, so that's in the western part of Germany. It has lots of urban culture. I haven't really spent much time in Frankfurt. I've spent time sort of close to Frankfurt. Mm-hmm. There's
0: a lot really close to Frankfurt to see.
1: Yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, I haven't, I don't have personal experience, but
0: yeah, I spent about a week in Frankfurt a little while ago and I really enjoyed it. It's a very businessy area but it also, it's got an up and coming like scene that celebrates the history and the culture of the city. I actually almost moved to Frankfurt, but, um, the economic opportunities opportunities were better in China. So that's how I ended up not moving to Germany, but I, I actually did really like Frankfurt. I think it has some room for growth as far as places to live, but there are are some things to see, and there's a lot of really great stuff around the area. Like mm. the Black Forest, obviously. The Rhine Valley has over 40 castles. And then there are some really nice towns like Karlsruhe and Baden-Baden.
1: So. Mm-hmm. In the north, we have Hamburg, which is the second largest city. And it's on the Elba, which is connected to the North Sea. I haven't really been to the north of Germany, so... Me neither, yeah. I'm not very helpful. <laughs> but people say, anyway,
0: people say Hamburg is like the Venice of the north because it's full of canals. Oh. Mm-hmm. Because it's on the river. So right. I don't know if it's as pretty as Venice, but <laughs> that's one way you can get around. Okay. Another city that's really famous, and I actually haven't been there, but is loved by all Germans. Yeah. <laughs> what, a, what a blanket statement. I'm sorry, Germans. Uh, <laughs> is loved by so many Germans is Cologne or Köln, and there are a ton of songs about this city. It's 2,000 years old. There's like long, long lists on the internet of things to do in Cologne, but it's basically just the cultural hub of its area. And yeah, my other favorite German band is from Cologne called the Wise Guys. Mm -hmm. And They are an a cappella group singing in German, and they have really, really clever lyrics. So if you're ever trying to learn German, I highly recommend The Wise Guys. And they have a song called Because I Am a -er" (laughs) Ah,
1: It's a university town, right? There's a big university there. I think so. And I think that's what I know about it. I haven't been there. I've been... Kind of close. But it's also very historical, right? Yes.
0: Yeah. It's a very old city. I'm trying to place it on a map. It's a little north of Frankfurt, near Düsseldorf.
1: In fact, maybe I have been there.
0: It's very possible. It's a huge tourist attraction in Germany.
1: Cool. And the last one is Neuschwanstein?
0: Neuschwanstein,
1: yeah. Neuschwanstein. Which, oh my god, this is such a popular tourist destination. Everyone goes there because it's the castle that Disney-based their castle on it's very far south it's almost in Liechtenstein. Mm -hmm. it's in bavaria as well Mm -hmm. but i haven't been there because i've heard that it's just a little bit overdone Mm, i believe it i actually never went in but i did drive past okay i mean it looks amazing in pictures but yeah maybe the atmosphere isn't the best if you're not into spending a day with only tourists (laughs) yes Well, and
0: there are so many amazing castles in Germany, in Europe in general, but that was my first experience with castles, was going to Germany and walking around a castle. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just like, oh my God, these are real things. These are real places.
1: Exactly. And because it was so many different kingdoms, there are so many. And what I've read is it's not the most beautiful castle or the most interesting castle, but it is famous because of that. And it's set in a really beautiful place as well. Like, the landscape is gorgeous from what I've seen. But Definitely. Yeah, it's on a hill. Yeah.
0: Okay, so we've covered some really famous areas. Just a little peek. Obviously, this is not an exhaustive list. We're just trying to give you a picture of Germany from what we've experienced. Mm -hmm. But now some other places that we have definitely been that we really liked. So one that I went to was Baden-Baden. Which is kind of south of Frankfurt, and Baden-Baden is really famous for its Roman baths.
1: Did you ever go? Now that you say that, maybe I have been with my mom, but I don't know.
0: That's okay. I mean, they're they're nude baths, so they're not everybody's cup of tea. Yeah, and um, <laughs> but they're baths, and they're also saunas. So the German culture really values circulation of blood. Yeah, I don't know why. Like, lots of cultures have different values. In the U.S., it's, like, how fat am I? In Germany, it's how is my blood circulating? (laughs) And so, therefore, the spas, the saunas and steam rooms are very popular, and people like to go into a sauna for, like, 20 minutes and then jump into an ice-cold bath and do it over and over again because that's supposed to be great for your circulation.
1: Yeah, we went to a bath in... Munich, one that's very famous. And I saw a lot of people doing that. Um, and the sauna was like unbearable for me. I'm not too much into saunas, but maybe your circulation isn't so great. Rachel. Maybe it's not. Maybe I should spend more time in a sauna. I don't know. But it was funny. Um, I mean, it was really a different yeah. experience. Uh, so that's yeah. something to try because i know that they have them in a lot of different places
0: well and it's funny when everybody else is naked around you it's really not a weird thing mm-hmm. the only weird thing is when like somebody who works at the spa comes up fully clothed <laughs> and it's like oh my god i'm naked <laughs> yeah. but the first time i did go into a sauna and then an ice-cold bath i believe i threw up <laughs> Oh, wow. It's really hard on your body. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, later in the day, but I think that's what it was from. Oh, okay.
1: So. Next. So, Trier. It's really <laughs> close to Luxembourg. And it's actually a Roman city, so it's super historic. And I went on a day trip uh, with my mom and our friends who live in West Germany. And it was really interesting. There's a ton of history. And it's not too big of a city, so you can kind of get a different... Look, it's different than a lot of German towns, I think. Mm-hmm. Have you been there?
0: It is very different. I did go to Trier, I didn't find it particularly interesting to be honest, but I think I went, I just went to check out the university mm-hmm. and it was like a bad weather day, but that's cool that you enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, I thought it was cool, like the Roman history, you know, like, yeah. I don't think I saw that part. It doesn't feel the same as, like, a different city, like in Bavaria or something. Yeah,
0: that totally makes sense. Another place to go that's a little-known gem is Dresden, where I studied. It actually was the site of the fire bombings after World War II. So the city was basically totally flattened. But a little by little they rebuilt, of course, there's no trace of it now. However, when you look at the Frauenkirche, which is the Church of Our Lady, it's a Protestant church in the Altstadt, in the old section of the city, they took each of those bricks and they put them back in their original spots. I don't know how they did it, but yeah, they used as much of the original construction as possible, and It's now pristine on the inside, and it's got some black on the outside. So, But it's a really nice city. They also keep up the old houses very nicely. I don't know how they maintained that. I guess during the USSR era, they still maintained a lot of the culture. So you can walk around the old part of the city. I lived in this one section next to the big park kind of close to downtown like a 20 minute tram ride from downtown and it was called the does that mean big garden yeah it means big garden <laughs> yeah and there are these beautiful old mansions that you can just walk around and admire for hours oh, cool it's really pretty mm-hmm. a lot of eye candy in germany <laughs>
1: <laughs> <sighs> do you mean like men or do you mean like buildings architectural <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> sorry Architectural I always, eye candy. Yes, architectural eye candy. Because I was thinking that's kind of out of the blue, but sure, yeah, why not?
0: Yeah, fair. is into the Germans.
1: Yeah. <laughs> One place that I went last summer that I loved was Wotenberg Opta Tauba, and mm. it is not untouristy. It is actually quite touristy, but. It's quite small as well. I think their population is uh, maybe under 10,000, something like that. It's tiny. And it's in Bavaria. It's really, really, really spectacularly beautiful, I think. It's walled city so it does have the wall still around it you can walk on it in a lot of parts of it wow you could probably walk from end to end in 10 or 20 minutes and it has so many cool historical things that's really cool yeah they had this cool night watch tour that is crazy touristy but it was also so interesting because it was a lot about the history and they had one in english and one in german every night so this guy dresses in like full like cape and with a like I don't know what you call it like a giant guard thing that you an old night watchman would have that's so cool (laughs) and he talked a lot about the history of the city which is very interesting because basically they went into a recession in maybe the 13 or 1400s something like that And they basically didn't really progress after that. So they were just kind of living in this little time capsule. And Hmm. I think they were saved from bombing during the Second World War by – because I think – I can't remember who it was, but one of the generals or someone high up in government – His mom had visited there and always talked about how lovely it was. And so he was like, oh, don't bomb there. And so they just bombed like part of it. But mostly it's very (laughs) preserved. Like that's crazy. Yeah. And it's very quaint and just pristine. There's one scene that I always see pictures of when you look for pictures of Germany that show how like beautiful it is. It's like one street going up and one street going down. I saw it today and I was like, oh. That's cool. I love it
0: when you travel somewhere and then you see like a random picture of it and it's like, oh,
1: I was in that place. Yeah. So not untouristy, but also I wouldn't say it's like the top destination. Yeah. So it's definitely worth a visit.
0: Well, there are so many gorgeous little villages in Germany. Like you drive through the countryside and it's like, oh, there's like a village of 40 people and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Another place that I've been is the Bodensee, or Lake Constance. It's right on the border to Switzerland and also Austria. Yeah. It's a gorgeous place to go. You can go hiking in the Alps right nearby. It's also really close to the Allgäu, which is very, very traditional Germany. They still have these cows with their enormous bells like Dinglingling, <laughs> milk cows, and so yeah, that that whole area in the south of Germany is just really gorgeous next to the Alps. Mm-hmm. I remember when I went to a city called Lindau. I love Lindau, at Lake Constance. You went
1: there? Yeah, I've been twice actually. That's so funny.
0: Yeah, when I went, it was pear season, and apparently there's a lot of pear and apple orchards around that area, and the whole place smelled like pears. It was so mm. wonderful.
1: That's amazing. Also, I've been to Meersburg, which is also on the Bodensee, but it's a Uh little bit in a different area. Yeah. Closer to the Black Forest where I was at the time. Uh And it's also a really nice town. It's a bigger city that's along the Bodensee. But I think the really nice thing about the Bodensee is you can like go around and find all these little towns along the lake, and they're just amazing. They have their own little spirit and... Uh, I love that area.
0: Yeah, me too, definitely. And actually in English we call it Lake Constance because it's really close to the city of Constance, but in German it, it's Bodensee and Boden means floor and See is sea. So it's at the floor of Germany, like the bottom of Germany, oh, so they call it the Bodensee.
1: That's why. Yeah. Okay. Really cool. Yeah, that's definitely worth a visit, I think. Yeah. Especially in summer, it's amazing. Yes, very much so. Another that I went to last year is, well, the city is that we stayed in was Piding. It was maybe like a thousand people. Uh, Anyway, very small. But we were staying there when we went to the Königsee, which is in the national park, the Berchtesgaden, in the southeast of Germany, really, really close to Austria. It's actually kind of in a corner that's taken out of Austria, it looks like, but That park and the Königsee is just, like, spectacularly beautiful. It's really similar to a lot of Austrian lakes. Austria is really famous for their lakes, and uh, it's, like, surrounded by mountains on all sides. It's kind of misty a lot of the time, and cows everywhere, and... Gorgeous, like, and there are other places in the Berchtesgaden, which you can go to, but the Königsee is really famous, but it would be a good place to go, like, do other things as well. Hmm, cool. It's kind of cool, because they have, like, public transportation, like, buses, or we took a, We took the train from Pieding to the Berchtesgaden, and then I think they have buses from there.
0: Mm, okay, nice. Yeah, public transportation in Germany is fantastic. Another place that's not technically in Germany right now, but I really, really loved, and it used to be in Germany at some point, it's actually switched a lot between Germany and France, is, mm-hmm. is Strasbourg. And it is a very, very charming little French city. They actually have their own French dialect, I believe, or they used to. And I'm trying to remember anything about it, like in particular. And I, I just remember, like, walking through the streets covered in cobblestones I was not covered in cobblestones the streets were <laughs> <laughs> and they it was just a gorgeous little spot so if you're in that area I would highly recommend Schlesburg
1: yeah I went when I was little but I don't remember a ton
0: mm. well I trust your mom's judgment for bringing you there <laughs>
1: This one is pretty touristy as well, but it's a smaller city, which is uh, Triburg. Uh, it's in the Black Forest, and it's really famous because it's the place where cuckoo clocks come from,
0: oh, so they yeah. have, like,
1: tons of stores where they sell them. It also has the tallest waterfall in Germany. Oh, cool.
0: I guess all the cuckoo clocks are made by hand, probably.
1: Yeah, and they're very expensive. But the waterfall is really beautiful. The town's quite small. I went on a day trip when I was staying with a friend who lives in the Black Forest, and I'm going to butcher this Finnegan, Finnegan.
0: <laughs> I've never been there.
1: But yeah, it was really cool. I liked it. Yeah. Um, yeah. There are places in the Black Forest that are maybe less touristy that are nice to see as well. Mm. But it has like an interesting thing, I think, with the cuckoo clocks. And we yeah. went to some other places that were. Less touristy, but...
0: Yeah, the Black Forest is gorgeous in general. Mm-hmm, totally. Actually, there's another place in eastern Germany that's similar, except it's not Cuckoo Clocks, it's Nutcrackers.
1: Oh, cool. <sighs> that's awesome.
0: I mean, in that whole town is just basically dedicated to selling Nutcrackers, so...
1: Yeah, it's the same with the Cuckoo Clocks. It was like every store, they had tons of them. And I just thought of one more. Heidelberg. Oh, God, Heidelberg, of course. Yeah, and it's pretty well known, but it's got a really gorgeous castle. It's a university town, and it's just a really pretty city. It is. It's actually,
0: you hear Heidelberg and you think, oh, it's like a pretentious Ivy League city, basically. But it's, mm-hmm. when I went, I was pleasantly surprised at how gorgeous it was. And I don't know, like everybody was really friendly. Heidelberg is in the southwest of Germany, and you might have noticed that a lot of the places that we're talking about are in the southwest, or the south in general, and that's because German weather is notoriously bad, especially in the north and the northeast, so a lot of the more favored places end up being in the southwest.
1: Yeah, and it's just a really gorgeous place in terms of nature as well. Um, There's a lot, it's close to the Alps, the Mm -hmm. Black Forest is in the south. So let's talk about getting around. It's pretty easy, I would say, to get around in Germany, and it's actually not that expensive. You might think it would be, but it's not bad. Yeah, especially if you buy your tickets ahead of time. Exactly. So I think for me, the best way that I've done is by train. The train system is amazing. It goes to pretty much every city in Germany, and it might not take you on the most direct route. You might have to go in a strange way because of the way that the trains work, but you can get anywhere. And it might take you some time depending on the route that you're trying to take, but they're on time, they're clean, they're, for the most part, (laughs) semi-fast, and you get to look out the window and the views are amazing.
0: Yeah, just remember that you have to go into the right train on time because if you remember Leonard's lost in translation moment from when he... Got on a train that came to the station about four minutes before it was supposed to be there. He got on the wrong one because that was the one that arrived before his train. Uh, Yeah. When I was flying through Germany another time, I missed my plane because I was brushing my teeth in the bathroom while it was boarding, and I missed boarding time, and they did not wait for me.
1: (laughs) Well, we almost missed a train that we were standing right in front of because there was, like, a long train... And half of it was one number, and half of it was another. So we had to go, like, halfway back, and that was our train. But we didn't realize it, and it was, like, two minutes to the time that we were supposed to leave. And we were like, I see people, like, getting on that were standing here, too. And they walked down. And um, so sometimes the trains will, like, separate at oh God, a certain yeah. station. So you got to get on at the right, on the right car as well, because it looked like one train, but it was really two. And you got
0: to pay attention there.
1: Yeah, but it's very effective, and there are a couple ways that you can do it. You can take the high-speed train, which is called the ICE, or regional trains, and they also have overnight trains.
0: Regional trains are usually a lot slower.
1: But you'll get to more of the small destinations that you might want to go to.
0: True, exactly.
1: So as you said, booking tickets in advance, that helps you get a better price, and they have discount prices between three months and three days in advance, but once they sell out of them, they have, like, a certain number per train. Once they sell out, then you pay the regular price, and they're usually stricter, so you need to take a certain train, like, you can't switch trains at the last minute.
0: Yeah. They also have a Schönes Wochenende ticket, which means nice weekend ticket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that means, in this case, the weekend is all yours. You can take the train as often as you like within one weekend. So Saturday and Sunday, it's valid from midnight up until 3 a.m. the following morning. Um You can go anywhere in Germany on any regional and S-Bahn, which means uh, Straßenbahn or a street tram train. But no high-speed inner-city tickets, ICE. So the ticket for that, for the Schönes Wochenende ticket costs 44 euros plus 6 euros per person for up to 5 people. So that's a really, really good deal, actually.
1: Mm-hmm. <gasps> yeah. And I mean, you can use it for the whole weekend as much as you want. I don't know. I think that's a good deal, but. It gave the example that if you're trying to go from like Berlin to Munich, that's normally I forget what they said—a four-hour journey or a five-hour journey. It might take like as much as 24 hours, so because you're not on the ICE, yeah. So you yeah. might take that into consideration if you're mm-hmm. trying to make the most of your time. Yeah, can't go too far, right? Because those are also in different regions. So, mm-hmm. so we struggled with that when we were going from Berlin to Bamberg. The buses were crazy, like, crazy long. Basically, we took a BlaBlaCar because that was the fastest and cheapest option.
0: Okay. And for those of you who don't know, BlaBlaCar is basically, like, a ride-sharing service between cities in Europe.
1: Yeah. This woman, she was going home to Bamberg. She was visiting her son, and then she sells the seats on her car. It's really cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So each state also has, like, a regional ticket which lets you go for a whole day in that region unlimited. So this is what we mostly did in Bavaria, because besides Berlin, we were always in Bavaria. And I think we paid 31 each time for both tickets. And so that's for a whole day of travel. And it's pretty good. Like Sometimes we were going like six hours on the train. And it says it's between 23 euros and 6 euros, but... We definitely paid 31 for both tickets, so wow. yeah, that's about right. Six that's euros per additional travel. I used Trainline EU, which is an app, and it gave the real prices. You didn't have to pay like a booking fee, so I found that really helpful. And that is nice. You could yeah. just present the tickets on your phone, and they would scan them.
0: See, this is why I'm really glad that you're the person who is describing this because I have not traveled in Germany in a really long time. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm sure that my experience is not modern, is not up to date anymore.
1: <laughs> well, it changes a lot with the apps and everything. And so you can buy your tickets online or like through an app or something like that at vending machines at the station or from the ticket counter. Cool. Yeah. So my experience with BlaBlaCar in Germany was uh, it worked for Berlin to Bamberg, which are, I mean, Bamberg is not a huge city, but it's got, I don't know, 100,000 people or 130,000 people. But I did not find anything between the smaller towns. So probably to go between big cities, it would work.
0: Mm, okay. Berlin
1: to Munich, you know, bigger cities. But I did not find it in a lot of places. But I think that's the sort of the trend in a lot of European countries.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Sometimes it might be fastest to rent a car, as train routes can be a little circuitous and... If you have always dreamed of driving on the Autobahn, that is a great opportunity to do it. Um, You you should know that on the Autobahn, you can't just drive, like, 500 miles an hour the entire time. (laughs) (laughs) Like, there is no speed limit between cities, but once you get to cities, they do have a speed limit that goes down to, like, 70 miles an hour, the equivalent of 70 miles an hour, or... 55 or 45, just because of traffic coming and going. But yeah, I've never done it, actually, because I wasn't old enough (laughs) uh, to rent a car when I was in Germany, but I think that it would probably be really fun.
1: Yeah. As well, you can sometimes take ferries. Like, I've taken a ferry to different cities on the Bodensee, which was super interesting, and like a really nice way to like kind of relax and travel in a different way. Yeah, uh, my friend took his car on the ferry. So oh, fun. Then we drove back. And buses can be good price-wise, but my experience when we were trying to book a bus from Berlin to Bamberg, it was like a five-hour drive, and it was like a twenty-four-hour bus ride. Wow! Because of the schedules. So it's it just depends on where you're going, I think. But it's a good option. I think they have nice buses. Yeah, I didn't know that. I haven't traveled by bus in Germany, actually. No, I haven't either. But the prices were good, but they were, the schedule was horrible for that Ah, particular trip.
0: Interesting. Have you ever ridden with Flixbus? Nope. I'm going to Romania this summer, and I booked my first Flixbus trip. And it's like from Cluj-Napoca to Budapest. And it's like a seven-hour ride, but it's going to be overnight. So I'm really excited about it. I'll have to come back with a full report.
1: Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a couple of just quick tips. What to pack.
0: Yes. Let's go over that. First, definitely wear layers. Like I said, German weather is notoriously bad. hmm That's, like, the main topic of conversation in Germany at any given time is, ugh, the weather's so terrible, or ugh, the weather's so nice, I'm so happy, let's all go outside. Yeah. Anytime that the, the sun is out in Germany, everybody's outside.
1: Yeah, and it can change pretty quickly, so... Yeah. Having layers will help you deal with the sudden rainstorm or the drop in temperature um, okay. or the raise in temperature when it gets really nice. Yeah. I think also bring good clothes and shoes for being outdoors because there is so much to do outside and the natural areas. So much good hiking. You might bring hiking boots. You might even bring Mm -hmm. hiking poles that are Mm -hmm. foldable if you're planning to do a lot of hiking. Also, things for biking, you might do that.
0: There are really good bike trails around Germany, apparently.
1: And both times I've been to Lindau, we've ridden to Austria, which is, you know, it's just a day. That's awesome. Maybe it's like 20 miles or something like that, or 20 kilometers, I think. It's pretty close, so you can get there in an hour or two. So there's a lot of good biking in Germany that you can do, so bring clothes for that.
0: And another note about shoes, you're going to walk all over the place in Germany. Whatever city shoes you wear, or maybe where, where you're hiking boots, like you're going to wear them out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. German dress is not super formal. Don't go in your running clothes into the grocery store. That's a little offensive to people. But otherwise, casual is is fine. It's a little bit nicer dress than average Walmart clothes. <laughs> but that's a really yeah. Bar.
1: <laughs> but, I mean, compared to Spain, for example, Spanish people dress up much more, I think. In, right. in Germany, people dress nicely. It's not that they dress like slobs, but they're a lot of times in sneakers or jeans, you know, things like that. It's not like you need to bring a suit or nice evening clothes. Um, next. So it's not really very hot, even in the summer. It gets warm, and there might be some warmer days, but still bring pants, and you don't need to bring, like, short shorts, and also people don't wear them so much. Maybe a yeah. scarf. Some skirts, if you're a woman, dresses, as well as cardigans, things like that.
0: Yeah. German people don't really get offended by clothing choices, though. Like,
1: No, it's not that they'll be offended, but you might stand out. Yeah,
0: true. You might stand out as a tourist, which is not always the best thing. Make sure you bring bring an umbrella. (laughs) That's kind of established by now. Cool. So should we move on to budget tips? Yeah. Like we said, definitely book everything ahead. Germans are planners, so they're going to be booking things ahead too. Last-minute payers will be paying the prices.
1: Yeah. (sighs) And that's trains, that's lodging, that's a lot of things. In fact, at the German parliament building in Berlin, the, what's it called, the Reichstag? Yeah, the Reichstag. You have to book that pretty well in advance, even though it's free, but you have to book in advance and get your ticket like we couldn't get them because we tried to book once we were there so that's something to keep in mind sometimes you might have to book things even though they're free i've been there
0: in a lot of other countries as well with government things like they have mm-hmm. limits on how many people can do this super special thing in one day so the forbidden city in china like the japanese palace government building something in tokyo Mm-hmm. yeah so that, yeah. that that makes sense. Discount
1: city cards?
0: I've never heard of this.
1: So it's a lot of cities, a lot of the bigger cities especially, might have these cards that they sell. So especially if you're planning to do like a lot of touristy things, it'll include entry to different museums or monuments or discounts. I don't know, discounts or includes public transportation, something like that. If you're planning to do a lot of the major things, that's something worth looking into. Because you might be able to save money. If you're only planning to do, like, one museum and walk most of the time, it's probably not worth it. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. Student ID. Germans are really generous about student discounts. Pretty much anywhere you go, if you say, oh, I'm a student, unless you're, like, at a store or a restaurant, you'll probably get a discount. So make sure if you are a student to bring your student ID with you.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And most museums have a free day, so if you want to go to that particular museum, look it up in advance and see Mm -hmm. what day is free. It might be a Monday or a Tuesday, so you might even plan what day you go to that city based on what day the museum is free. That's
0: great advice. Definitely.
1: Um, Hostels are a really good way to stay for cheap, and you can stay in those big bunk rooms or you can stay in a private room. Uh, but both are going to save you money. But I've even found that some inns and hotels can be quite affordable in good. Germany. I think we usually paid about 30 euros a night or 20 euros a night. You know, That's awesome. It's really affordable. Yeah. We weren't staying in five-star places, but they were really quaint and they usually included breakfast or mm-hmm. the breakfast was cheap. It was a really nice experience.
0: That's like traveling around Asia prices. Whenever I go to the U.S. and I tried to book a hotel anywhere, I'm like, oh my god, no, I'm not paying for this. It's so expensive. Yeah. Like, $100 a night is very normal anywhere in the States or mm-hmm. more in New York. And
1: Yeah, for a hotel. I mean, mm-hmm. it's nuts. So yeah, that's great. Good to know. And finally, if you want to bring your little furry friend might be a cat might be a dog apparently only dogs cats and ferrets are covered in germany for like traveling purposes nice um so you can bring them but obviously if they're coming from outside europe they need to have certain qualifications met uh microchip different vaccines uh there's no quarantine
0: there's a pet yeah exactly
1: Oh, uh, there's no quarantine in Germany? That's good to know. And Germany is really especially dog-friendly. Mm. You see dogs everywhere. They even sometimes go into stores and restaurants. I mean, people are very into their dogs. That's cool. And for small to medium-sized dogs getting around Germany, they can travel in a cage or a basket. As well as, I've seen cats in a basket. <laughs> Just like an open basket, a woman had a, a cat. We were like, oh, it's a cat. On um, buses and the U-Bahn and trams and buses. And cool. If they are larger dogs, you do have to buy a half-price ticket for them. Uh, small and medium <laughs> ones can travel for free, and they have to be on That's a funny. leash and wear a muzzle. Okay. But other than that, they can travel, which is different than Spain. In the trains, you can't take large dogs because we've tried to take ours, and they were like, he has to be in a crate. His crate isn't going to fit on that train. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) So anyway, if you want to travel with your pets, it's pretty doable in Germany. Yeah. And a lot of hotels are also pet-friendly.
0: Cool. So. So finally... Let's move on to food in Germany. This is like the most important section. (laughs) So number one, you've definitely tried it before if you're an American, because for some reason all Americans are German, is Black Forest Cates,
1: Schwarzwaldkuchen. And it's just like a dark chocolate cake. Mm Mm-hmm. It's so good. You must try beer and you must try the local beers. Yes. They are so good. As we talked about the Rausch beer in Bamberg. Mm-hmm. But each town basically has their own beer, and Germans are really good at making beer, so try it everywhere you go.
0: Well, they one thing that's different about German beer is when it comes to beer, they're purists. So mm-hmm. they only, by law, by like German brewing law, they're only allowed to use a handful of ingredients, which is very different from all the craft breweries with peanut butter, chocolate, and coffee that we make our beers with in the U.S., Mm -hmm. I don't think that makes it worse. I think it just makes it very, very different and very uniquely German. Yeah. Another thing that you must eat is Spätzle, which is the, like, homemade noodles, or Käsespätzle, which is the homemade noodles with cheese. Usually when it's served without cheese, it's served with, like, a gravy, but with cheese, it's so good.
1: Mm, That's so good. And usually, like, caramelized onions. Oh, hell yeah, man. Mm. As well, pretzels are just a really good thing to have with a beer, Mm -hmm. and they're delicious.
0: Or for breakfast with your coffee. Mm.
1: Oh, yeah. And the pretzel rolls. Oh, my God. Mm.
0: One thing you can do when it comes to bread as well is you can, like, there are these beautiful little tiny bakeries all over Germany, and you can go in and you can get a fresh pretzel that's just been made, like, an hour ago that morning. You can get any kind of bread, but one thing that I always ate was, like, a piece of fresh bread with butter, and then buttaquese, which is butter cheese, like, just cheese with a lot of butter in it, and cucumber. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, bakeries. Oh, it was
1: perfect. So and that's also another way that you can cut down on your costs if you're trying to save money is go to bakeries because they're, they're so, so good cheap. and they're so cheap. And you can get mm. a sandwich or you can get something and you can eat outside or you can have it with you. And we did that a lot for lunch or for breakfast as well.
0: It's mm. awesome. You must try Apfelstrudel, apple cake, It's kind of like cake pie, maybe. It's closer to apple pie, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just like basically dough and sugar mixed with apple and then baked. Mm. And
1: it's... It's so good. It's the best. In Rotenburg-Optotaba, they have something that's called schneeball, which is like snowball. I mean, it means snowball. And it's basically like fried dough covered in different things, but like chocolate or things. And you just eat it. It's like the size of a snowball. And it's delicious. If you go not think or ever tried that. That sounds really good. It's very specific to there. So mm-hmm. Berlin, of course,
0: is going to have a lot of international food. It's a very international city. In fact, the döner kebab, which is gaining steam in the U.S., was in fact invented in Berlin. Mm-hmm. It's known as a Turkish food, but it was made in Berlin.
1: And they also have amazing Lebanese food.
0: Mm-hmm. Love Lebanese food.
1: <laughs> they have like a whole section in Berlin that's like Lebanese.
0: Mm, that's interesting
1: also you can eat all of the bread the cheese and all the dairy in general that your heart desires and Mm. you will be happy and you will feel love
0: in your heart yes that's, that's the direct effect of eating bread, cheese, and dairy, in fact. Mm-hmm. Something that my host mom used to make in former Eastern Germany is potato pancakes with a little bit of powdered sugar on top or, oh, powdered sugar and applesauce, actually. Oh,
1: yes. Yeah. It's so good. Love it. And potatoes in general are a big thing.
0: Yeah, definitely. There's a reason they're they're famous for their potatoes. You should see mm. a German woman peel potatoes. <laughs> It'll change <laughs> your life. All the meat lovers out there are going to love bratwurst and sauerkraut, but sauerkraut by itself is also really good.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Currywurst, schnitzel, leberwurst. Leberwurst is liverwurst, but for some reason it's just really, really good in Germany. <laughs> and then brötchen, which is these little fresh rolls that you can get at the bakery and they're perfect
1: Mm, so good try all of that while you're there and you won't regret it not at all
0: go during christmas time to the Weihnachtsmärkte the christmas markets yeah and oktoberfest
1: so what other experiences have you had in germany do you have any other tips uh let us know we'd love to hear what you think yes
0: please let us know and we do have some listeners in germany so If you have any other advice, we would love to hear more from insiders. And And now it's it's time time for Lost in Translation. Translation. (laughs) I have a Lost in Translation moment this week. It's getting really hot in China. Like, really hot. Because it's the summer and I'm in Southeast China, which is the subtropics, almost to the tropics. And I asked my students last week, I said, How's the weather today? And they said, It's hot. It's very hot. You know, these are second graders. So they're very enthusiastic. I was trying to say, Do you know the word for muggy? And I said, Do you know, Chao Shi? And they go, Super muggy. And I was like, Yes super muggy. In fact, I don't know why you use super in there, but you're right. It is super muggy. You can also just say muggy. (laughs) And then I get to my seventh grade class. I teach five classes of second grade and one class of seventh grade. So at this point, I've talked to all the second graders and they're like, it's super muggy. And I get to my seventh graders and I'm like, yes, how's the weather today? And they're like, it's hot. And I'm like, yeah, in fact, it's 超市, and they look at me and they're like, what? And I'm like, oh no. I said supermarket. <laughs> oh, supermarket. So the word for supermarket in Chinese is shu, And the word for muggy is Chow <laughs> shu. So, there is an example of tones in Chinese that I'm gonna have a million of over the years, I'm sure. Oh, wow. But I had to go back and correct myself in all of my second grade classes. I was like, my mistake, guys. You were right. Chelsea is supermarket. That's really
1: funny. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, so funny. So, send us your Lost in Translation stories. You can use a voice recorder on our website, languagenerdstoearth.com. You can also type your message into the contact section. We want to hear your stories, though. Make sure
0: you're subscribed to the podcast and you're following us on social media. We're on
1: YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. And please leave us a review on Apple iTunes. That would be much appreciated. As well as tell your friends if you are enjoying it. So our next episode is going to be about how migration affects the evolution of languages.
0: Ooh, so intriguing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, tune into that next week. Thanks for listening, everyone, and have a great one. Bye. Bye. sorry,
0: Winston. I think he was waiting outside the door for a long time. For me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can you hear me? Mm hmm. Oh, shit.
1: Hello? Hello, buddy. Yeah, I'm so I sorry. hear you. Mr. Snuggles. Can you hear me? Yep. Erner.
0: It's funny because I
1: can hear you and apparently you can't hear me. Did
0: you ruin the connection? Okay.
1: (gasps) You could hear me? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we never had a break on my end. (sighs) Oh, that's funny. (laughs)